turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm chapter 13. I realize some of you have a difficult life. You know, in, in the morning, you know, you, you don't have a whole lot of money, and so uh, you can't go to Starbucks, and so uh, on your way to work or on your way to school, you have to go to McDonald's and get coffee. Um, I realize some of you have a hard life. Others of you, you go, you know, my, my life is so difficult. Uh, just an example of how difficult my life is. I was on Facebook uh, the other day, and I posted this picture of my family, and nobody liked it. Nobody liked it. In fact, there were only a few people who liked it, and they were in the picture with me. And so, like, I feel so unloved. My life is difficult. Uh, others of you might say, well, you know, that, that's petty and everything. You, you don't know how difficult my life is. It, I have this prescription that I get, and I took it to Walgreens last week, and it took me a half hour before they filled my prescription. Boy, my life is hard. I realize, I tell those stories because uh, for the most part, our lives aren't that difficult, are, are they? And uh, how many of you have complained this week? You raise your hand if you've complained this week. Some of you go, I, I can't remember, but I'm sure I did. So I just... Uh, Right, right. Raise my hand. Um, I realize this time of year is a time uh, where we're trying to move away from that which we complain about and rejoice and be thankful for that which we know uh, we should be thankful for. I realize others of you do have problems. You do have things that are burdening your heart. They're not just, you know, where you get your coffee and uh, uh, other things like that that aren't that big of a deal, but there are real things. There are health problems, there are family problems, there are relationships and things that you're struggling with, and you just go, I don't know how this is going to work out, and it, it wears on me day in and day out. Um, this morning, I hope to encourage you as we look at Psalm 13. I realize this too, that uh, as we connect to Thanksgiving, we look to that original colony uh, that, that group that came over. And you need to remember this uh, as you consider this, that over half of them died that first year. And that, that's so uh, amazing to me. And uh, it, it's so hard for me to grasp that uh, half uh, died. And if, if I could put it in perspective, it's this year where we come here and next year, this half is gone. They've all passed away. I, sorry, you sat on the wrong side today. Uh, uh, you've all passed away. Uh, in the first service, I did it the other way around, and people gasp. You know, at the, at the, I'm like, I'm just saying. I'm not uh, speculating or anything. But it's that idea that we would have to, half of us, half of our family members, half of our group gone, that we would have to reflect after a hard winter and say, what now? Uh, can't we be thankful? Is there any reason to rejoice? Is there any reason to be hopeful for the future? Uh, Psalm 13 hopefully will help us this morning. You'd stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read to you Psalm 13, a Psalm of David. <coughs> Excuse me. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel 
in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God, we ask your blessing on your word. May it uh, speak into our hearts right now and instruct us for not just the week ahead, but for the rest of our lives that we might understand what it is to persevere in you and to rejoice in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you read the Psalms, I want to encourage you to read the Psalms because uh, when you think of life's problems, that's what Psalms has a backdrop of real life. Uh, these were written by men who were going through things, and we, we all go through things. There, in this room here, if we stood up and said, you know, what, what's the greatest struggle in our life, it would be various things. It would be things um, that kind of all of life kind of weaving in and out. Some of you would talk about the burdens that you have for your adult children. Others would talk about the difficulties of your marriage. Others would talk about financial problems and health problems and uh, all the various problems of life. It happens. It happens, and it's a struggle. The book of Psalms takes whatever's going on in the life uh, or in history in time, and it shares that, and then it it's like God answers it. It's like there's the problem, here's God's answer. But I, I want to say it this way. God's answer is himself, is himself. He, he, he doesn't say, I, I, you know, oh, I got you. I realize that things are a mess in your life. I'm going to go rearrange your life so the messes go away. He says, I see your messes. I know about those things. I realize your heart in those, but here's myself. I give you myself. And so as we read the Psalms, look for God. Look for how his uh, character and how his relationship uh, will be the answer for the problems of life that you have. If you look at Psalm 13, the first section is how long? Uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Have any of you ever asked that question or been asked that question? You're on the road trip. Um, fortunately, uh, it's a bad thing, you know. Uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara where you'd be out of town. You'd be out of town if it was over 15 minutes. Uh, now... I live in Bear Valley, and I'm not to town in 15 minutes, you know. And then you're down to Bakersfield, and the kids are like, you know, you're going down to Bakersfield or Lancaster, and it's like, are we there yet? And we're like, no, we're not to the freeway yet, you know. Uh, uh, there's this thing, and if you travel long, and when people say, are we there yet, what are they saying? I'm done with this road trip. I'm over it. I fought with my brother or sister. I've 
I've read all my books, I've, I've listened to whatever, and I want us to be, I'm done with whatever's going on. Uh, the psalmist asked the question, how long, how long? That's the kind of question he's asking. The psalmist is picturing whatever's going on in his life that he has a, kind of a threshold of this is how much I can handle. And he's gotten there. And chances are he's surpassed that threshold. I can't take it anymore. And so it brings his heart to ask the question, how long? How long? In fact, he says it four times. And it's the idea of really three different ideas of how long, O oh Lord. And he, he says this, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? As I read that, and I've read this over, for ye- over and over for years, uh, it's been one of those things that I go, it seems like you shouldn't say that to God. It, it seems wrong for you to say that to God, and, and I just feel uncomfortable with it. I want to tell you this, that uh, many times what we do think about God are wrong and shouldn't be said. And yet, even as we look to the Scripture, I want you to know this is inspired by God. That He inspired these writers to write things like this and worse down in the Psalms. This idea that this is the heart cry of us. And I want to tell you this, that just because you don't say them doesn't mean that you're not feeling them. Let me, uh, uh, how how many of you know something about babies? How many of you know something about babies? Some of you have had babies. Some of you are babies. No, uh, um, but uh, Babies, they're, they're, they're amazing little creatures. In fact, uh, I think best phase of life, right? The little baby phase where they're just so sweet and just adorable. And we cherish babies around here. And you, you know that, that sweet thing where they're sleeping and you're just patting them. And, and then you lay them down. And it, I mean, it's like that, that old game from the 70s, perfection. I mean, you're, you're doing surgery, right? You're putting, putting them down and you're going... You know, you want to put them down, and then you put them down, and you just pat them a little bit, and then you're, you're doing this, and they're sleeping, and then you look at them, and they're just so beautiful, they're just sleeping there, and then you close the door, and they take their nap, they take their nap, and they sleep for like an hour and a half, or 45 minutes, or four and a half minutes, or whatever it is, and, and what do they do when they wake up? Most of the time... They wake up and they start screaming. You know why they're screaming? Because they have been abandoned forever. They look around and they go, Mom, what has she done? She's turned her back on me. She's abandoned me in this cold crib forever and she's never coming back. And there's this terror in them that everything is wrong with the world and I need to scream out in terror because everything's wrong. Well, where is mom? She's in the other room looking at Pinterest or whatever she's doing. Uh, she's, she's, she's in the other room. She's, she's taking a rest herself maybe. 
There's not a sense of abandonment. And yet that child is convinced they've been left there forever. Now go back to the scriptures. How long, O oh Lord? How long? Uh, will you forget me forever? A little bit dramatic, right? That's our feeling, isn't it? That in the midst of trials and in the midst of hard times that don't just last a day, that don't just last maybe two, three, four days or a week or a month, maybe even years, this feeling of God has forgotten me forever. He, he has permanently placed me on his list that he doesn't care about. Or, or this picture, the, the second how long, and it's the same idea of abandonment. How long will you hide your face from me? It's like he won't even look at the, the predicament that I'm in right now. How long, Lord? And remember, he's, the psalmist is saying, I, I can handle it up to here. But now we're over here. And how much longer do I have to wait? How much longer till this situation changes and that you no longer forget me, that you no longer hide your face from me? How long? He looks first at the, the idea of being abandoned. And then the second, how long, in verse 2, it says this, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. The picture here is this that, and it's interesting. Um, have you heard the phrase, uh, time flies when you're having fun? What's true on the other side? Some days last forever. Bad stuff lasts forever. It feels like molasses, it feels like time is slowing down. And to take one step, you feel like, I better take a nap. You know, it feels like a difficult time. Oh, it's just a struggle. Everything's a struggle. And the picture here is this, that the psalmist, he says, how long will you leave me in this state where these thoughts are bouncing around in my head? That I'm trying to, to sort all this out and I'm, I'm counseling with myself, rather even arguing with myself, trying to plot and plan a strategy out of this mess. The psalmist says, this is what life is for me. It's the idea of being heavy hearted, heavy hearted, uh, of kicking around ideas in your head and it's no good. It's not that you're, there's this refreshing joy that comes from your thoughts. It's the idea that it is heavy hearted, it's burdensome. And he says, and this sorrow is in my heart all the day. <coughs> Excuse me. How long, oh Lord, how long is this going to go on? It's interesting that uh, when things are difficult and when these thoughts are bouncing around in our head, we, we can exhaust ourselves with our thoughts. Any of you been there? Been in those days where you, you, you're just kicking it around in your mind and you're not getting anything accomplished, but you're exhausted from the thoughts that you have. This is the psalmist. And then he, remember, he's saying four times, how long, how long, how long? And you want to ask the question, well, how long are you going to keep saying how long? But that, that's the point, right? It's this, this repetition, I can't get away from this. I feel like the, the trials of this life are, keep going on and on. 
the, the, the last thing he speaks of is, is how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The sense of defeat. Now, now some of you here today are going, I don't have an enemy in the world. I, I want to tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower after God, you, you have enemies just by wearing that name tag. And, and, and the idea is this, that when you fail, they rejoice. They rejoice. And, and they may rejoice, they may show compassion on you until they find out that you're a follower of God and then say, oh, now serves you right. How's he treating you now? And they love it. And there's this sense of, uh, we, we love it when life is victorious, right? Don't you love victory? You love it. You love the idea of victory and being able to be successful. And the psalmist asked the question, uh, God, uh, how's this going to work out? How long will I be the defeated one? How long will I be the defeated one? And he's going to come back to this idea, but I want to tell you this. Losing is no big deal, right? Uh, Play sports, you're going to lose. You don't want to lose, don't play sports. Because eventually you're going to lose. Um, or board games. Might lose there too. And, you know, there's one thing that can bring families together the holidays are board games until somebody loses, you know. And then uh, uh, some people are sore losers and others are ungracious victors as well, right? Um, it's one thing when you lose, but it, it makes it more difficult when you lose to someone who's your enemy. And it's not just that he says, oh, you played hard, but it's like he taunts you with that and he wants to bury you in it and he wants to uh, rejoice over your loss and throw it in your face. This is the idea that is behind this. He says, how long am I going to have to do this? How long? I, I'm uh, up to here and it's up to here. And, and I don't see myself. I'm drowning in this. How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> the psalmist is at the end of his rope. He's desperate. And so we move from this idea of how long to the desperate cries to his only hope is God. And this is in verse 3. God's word says this, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest... My enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. The psalmist uh, turns away from whatever it is and he says, I've found my answer. I will cry to the one for help. And, and this is a dangerous thing for us in our world today. Uh, you all have problems. You all have things that are going wrong in your life. And things that you struggle with. So, so what do you do when you come up to the problems of life? What do you do? What do you do? Uh, most of the time, let's be honest, we Google it, right? We Google it. Uh, some, of you, uh, some of you are like the self-diagnosers, right? You have a problem, you know, uh, your finger's falling off or something like that, and you go, I'll just Google it, and I can do this at home. I can fix it at home here. Um, th this is the way I'm going to gain information. I'm going to get it off the 
uh, the interweb or whatever they call that thing. And if someone's smart enough to put it on there, they must be smart enough, right? And I'll just take their advice. We Google it. I want to tell you that the problems of life, the problems of life should not be Googled. You should cry out to the Lord. We should realize that we have one and only one hope and focus on Him. And our cries should be to Him, desperate cries. There's this thing that's super important for us to remember is that He's our only hope. He's our only hope. And whatever the second option, it's far, far below our God. He, he is our only hope. And so with a desperate cry, he, he, he goes to the Lord. He says, consider and answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, light up my eyes. And if this isn't dramatic, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I could die from these problems. I could die in these problems. And if you don't uh, save me, if you're not the one uh, to light up my eyes, that's where I'm heading. And then once again, verse 4, lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. I want to talk about the idea of being shaken for a moment. Being shaken is the idea, and it's in other Psalms as well, it's this idea that... uh, the problems of life knock us off our foundation. That, that they cause us to quit. They cause us to quit doing the thing that God wants us to do. It, it's the idea of, um, if you're in the game, it's the idea of saying, I'm hurt, coach, pull me out. I, I, I'm too tired to play. I'm too scared to fail. It, it's this idea that, um, in the midst of doing what we're supposed to be doing, we get set aside. I want to tell you, this is a danger for us. And some of you are saying right now, well, I don't have that significant of a role. Like, I'm not that important to the church or uh, to my family or to, I'm not that, I don't, I don't have that many things going. I want to tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. If you're a brother or a sister here today, if you have a sibling, if you have a, a mom or a father, someone that, that uh, you, have a, you have a unique relationship that they need you to be a godly man or a godly woman. If you're a husband or a wife right now, I want to tell you, no one else can fulfill your role as husband and wife. Your, your husband needs you, your wife needs you. If you're a parent here today, I want to tell you right now, your kids need you. They can't wait until you get your act together. They, they can't wait until you say, you know, uh, you, this thing has just kind of messed me up. I'm shaking. I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to wait. Maybe I'll come out of this in a year or two. In a year or two? Come on. Kids can't wait that long. And so for us right now, it's this idea that as we deal with the problems of life, that we're crying out to God for help, that he might be the one who sustains us and gives us what we need, that we wouldn't be shaken and that our enemy would not rejoice. See, this is the plot of the real, the big enemy, right? 
is to set us aside, to cause us to be ineffective, to sit us on the sideline and for us to cry and have a pity party and say, I can't do anything because of this. Insignificance. So we go to verse 5. And I just title this section, A Heart Filled with the Good Stuff of God. Heart filled with the good stuff of God. He says, the psalmist turns, and, and, and you see this progression, this desperate, desperate starting of the psalm. And then the cry out to God, and now him turning away from whatever's going on to his God. And he says this, verse um, 5, he considers this, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. I've trusted in your steadfast love. Now, the idea of steadfast love, uh, a common uh, usage in the book of Psalms, other points in the Old Testament, it's a distinct love from human love. It's distinct. It's different from that. It's God's kind of love. It's the idea, it it holds a couple things. In my translation, it says steadfast love. It might say it a little bit different in yours. Um, It's the idea... The reason they say steadfast love, because it's based upon the God, the one who's loving, right? And so we have an eternal God with eternal resources, and, and in that, he loves us. He stoops down to love us. I say stoop down, you say, oh, that's what it is, right? The loving God of the, the universe stooping down to common man to care for them. But, but this is what I want to... The distinction is made from human kind of love to God's kind of love is this. Your love runs out, doesn't it? You say, no, no, my love doesn't run out. Oh, yes, it does. When you're sick, are you loving? You say, well, no, that's different. Why? Well, because you ran out, right? You ran out. You, You wanted to, but you just didn't have the energy anymore. How many of you lose patience with your kids or spouse? Raise your hand. I won't look. How many of you, your siblings, you run, lose patience with your siblings? Does anyone want to raise your hand? Okay. Um, I won't look. I won't look. We're not taking a, a video of this. We're not going to put it on YouTube. We run out. We, we, we run. It's, it's the idea of our, like a car running out of gas. You say, uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm willing to expend, expend. I, I don't have anything left in the tank. But the distinction here is this. This isn't the kind of love that we're talking about here. It's God's kind of love. And, and so he's, he, he uses this. He says, I trust in it. I trust in the steadfast love of the Lord. Why? Because it's the steadfast love of the Lord. It's because it, it's, it, it's not going to run out. Let me uh, put it in perspective or context here. The psalmist is going, how long? Or are we there yet? Or, boy, this is going on a long time. I'm done. I I felt I was done right here, and now we're right here. And I want to tell you this. But he says, as he turns his head and he looks to the love of the Lord, he sees this, that, that God's love is unlimited. That there's not a sense where it's going to run out. And so it can be trusted in. And, and as I look at this, I, I want us to see 
that in context of our lives, some of you are struggling. You say, boy, these days are getting longer, and I, I just can't seem to get out of this. What am I going to do? And I, I want to say this. Um, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how long it's going to be. But I know this. You're to cry out to God and then trust in Him. Trust in His steadfast love for you, that it will be enough for you today. And you wake up tomorrow, and guess what? That it will be enough for you tomorrow. In the days and months and years to come, that it will be enough for you, that we can trust in Him. The psalmist, his heart is filled because he considers the love of God, verse 5, in this, this higher position, uh, loving and giving love to him, that, that God loves him that much. And secondly, he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He considers what God has done for him and, and bringing him into relationship with himself and realizing that that he is in a good spot, that God has done that for him in his salvation. And, and for us here this morning, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, um, I want to tell you that's something that you can rejoice in, that he's brought you into relationship with himself. And you can consider even the cost. In, in the psalm, they didn't know uh, exactly how this was all going to come together, the Messiah that was to come, that Jesus was going to live his life and then give himself on the cross risen from the dead we know that we know that and so as we consider even in the most darkest days if you know have trusted in Jesus Christ you can rejoice in his salvation of you and then uh, he, he finishes this psalm with verse 6 God's word says this I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me It concludes with a song of praise. Why? Because God's been good. Because God's been good. And I, I think, uh, and I, I'm, I don't want to say guilty of this. Uh, when something great happens in your life, you should say, God's been good to me. God's been good. It's, it's appropriate when blessings are poured out in your life that you connect that with God's favor, that he has, has given you what you didn't deserve. But I, I find this psalm interesting because in the midst of a long psalm, I don't say it's long because it's long, but he, he's asking the question, how long? The difficult days. He says, I, I have a song to sing. Why? I have a song to sing. A song of... Uh, this idea of my heart rejoicing and singing. Why? Because he has, been, he has dealt bountifully with me. He's been good to me. And I want to tell you that this is a reason to sing. This is a reason to rejoice. I picture uh, that group gathering and half of them had passed away. And, and not all of them were believers not, not all of them had a relationship with God. But it, how would I have been sitting there? How would I have been if some of my family members had passed away? What would I have to sing about? Could I say, God has been good? I want to tell you, we can say that. 
because of his grace that he's poured out to us, his kindness, his steadfast love, that, that we can rejoice in that at any spot in life, no matter what's going on. In fact, we should, uh, because if we don't, I think we'll be lost in the despair of the first few verses, uh, thinking that we can't make it, forgetting that his steadfast love will be enough for us. This is a reason to celebrate. This is the reason to be thankful. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you uh, for your kindness to us, your mercy. Uh, with gratitude, we say uh, you've been good to us. We know it. God, help us to recount the ways. Help us to be vocal with those around us both acknowledging your goodness to us and prompting them to see it as well. God, thank you for your church. We ask that you'd bless this week as we seek to uh, enjoy family, uh, as we seek to celebrate all the good things you've done for us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great week. Enjoy time off if you get it. Uh, enjoy your family if you get to spend time with them as well. You are dismissed.